Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Parenting Naked. This is hard. Um, I would like to introduce everybody. We have Misty White, Danan Moore, and today we have the privilege of a special guest, Brittany Redman. Um, hi. Um, so, Brittany, we always have folks come on and ask them how many pregnancies they've had and how many children. Would you mind sharing with us? Yeah. Um, so I have only had one pregnancy and have my one daughter who is six. Cool. Yeah. So sweet. Um, all right. And then maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your background, what your credentials are. Yeah. So my background and credentials, I always feel like those are such different questions. Um, <laughs> But so I um, kind of started off when I was like literally 21 in child welfare um, and bounced back and forth between working in child welfare um, and also working in juvenile probation. So a lot of family dynamics and family systems. Um, and then eventually went back to school for in a master's degree. Um, and my master's degree, it sounds very specific. So it's a master's degree in international disaster psychology. Um, and then since I've graduated, they've actually adjusted the title to also include trauma and global mental health. Okay. Um, so it's a bit of a mouthful and it often leaves people wondering, um, like what does international disaster have to do with kids and families and parenting? Um, but I think truth is like my passion's always been with kids. So when I studied international disaster, I definitely looked for um, how to serve a very vulnerable population, which most often um, is children and families. Um, so it, it really like allowed me to work with multiple family dynamics and systems. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. So I imagine that um, refugee populations would be a focus of that area. Is that yes. right? Yes, it is. Yeah, asylum seekers, refugees, um, yeah, things of that nature. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little bit about what you do now and what are your areas of clinical practice today? Yeah. Um, well, Gretchen, as you know, I, uh, <laughs> I worked um, in a residential and a day treatment facility for a couple years. Um, and now I'm actually doing, I have a private practice um, and I'm also doing a, I have a parent coaching program. Um, it's actually called Wild and Misfit Mamas, but I can talk about that later. <laughs> um, wild yes. and Misfit, is that what you said? Yes, Wild and Misfit Mamas. I love that. That sounds great. Yeah. I can't wait to hear um, about that. Yeah, I'm very um, excited. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, did... my clinical, sorry, I feel like I didn't even answer your question, but my clinical That's practice, okay. I really work with kiddos. Like my clinical expertise at this point would be with kiddos ages, I'd say like three to 12 um, with developmental trauma. Um, coupled with, you know, the parenting side of that and all the things that come with it. Great. Not to say, not to say that I don't work with teens, but yeah. You can give me the teens. I like them. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we should share Misty, Brittany and I all worked together at the same residential treatment facility that we've, you've heard us reference. Mm -hmm. And we all at one point or another worked in the residential side. So working directly with residential care staff and, yeah, and yeah. kids that stayed with us. Mm -hmm. so, um, okay. So today you're telling us about nervous system, 
regulation, both? Yes, all of the the nervous system regulation, neuroscience. We're going to, basically, I like to think that we're going to talk about the intersection between, um, a lot of people think feelings are like hippy dippy, right? Like people who are like, oh, I don't like feelings. Um, And then you have the other side of that, that's, you know, very, there's two parts of our brains, people that are think very logically, and then people who think that feelings are not logical. And I have done enough studying and research that I'm like, it's all related. Like feelings are neuroscience and here's why, and here's how. Um, And so I think for me, I really liked that. Um, And so I think it really helps people understand that like we're biologically designed um, to do the things that we do and feel the things that we feel. And so, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to say that if you have thoughts, you have feelings. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One without the other. If you have a thought about something, you have a feeling. And some people will say, oh, no, I don't have any feelings about it. But but then you'll turn around and say, well, you just had a feeling about what I just said. So (laughs) like, where do you feel that in your body? And it's interesting. And hopefully you'll go into this is just the somatic part of it, because Oftentimes in a session with some of my clients, I'll say, well, you know, what feeling is coming up for you? And they'll say, I don't know. And then I'll say, well, where do you feel it in your body? And they can almost always accurately say, well, I feel it in my chest. Okay, so what's in that? And they'll say like sadness or loneliness. And it's like, oh, see, there you go. (laughs) Here it is. But that also produces some vulnerability at times for people. Um, and so, you know, my hope today, too, and, and I would imagine that you'll go into it, is just about self-awareness, mindfulness with parenting. And so as soon as we're mindful about where we are in that moment with our kiddo, if we're mindful that we're dysregulated, like we're out of control, we've all been there. I mean, every single one of us, if we have children, we have been into a point where we are like hot on fire. Yes, we can manage that as long as we are aware and mindful in that moment of I'm on fire and this could be very dangerous or I can take a deep breath and take a step back, diffuse the fire, get my parenting hat back on and move forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with, yeah. without awareness and mindfulness, it's like we that's that's where the problem comes in. Mm-hmm. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so speaking of parenting, so you now have a child. So tell us about what was the biggest shift for you when you became a parent? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, it's, it's, it's almost like a tough question to answer because I feel like there's so many shifts. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, I was definitely always the person who associated the majority of, if not all, of my worth um, to my work. So the more that I worked, the more tired I became, you know, the better I felt like I was doing. Um, So I actually tried not to shift at all, honestly. So once I had a kid, I was very adamantly against shifting. Um, I'll tell you right now that didn't work out. Um, (laughs) But because I was, because I tried not to shift intentionally, you know, I, I went to grad school when she was only one year old. Um, I basically didn't sleep for two years. Uh, I was very mediocre at school. I was mediocre as a mom. Um, or at least I felt that way. Right. And I literally never felt good enough, which 
I'm sure many parents out there are familiar with that feeling. Oh, yes. Isn't that just like the tenant of parenting? <laughs> yes. I think it's one of them. One right. of the many. Uh, so yeah, my mom guilt was just kind of skyrocketing. So my biggest shift was realizing that I had to give myself permission to be human in front of my daughter um, to admit like my imperfections and then give myself permission to like slow down. Um, you know, I was always, I always had to be doing something. I could never just sit down and just be, um, because, you know, again, my productivity was so closely tied to how I felt about myself, um, that I didn't actually at the time, you know, and this is my own stuff, like didn't view motherhood as like productive or an accomplishment of mine, which, you know, now at this point in the game blows my mind that I had those thoughts and feelings, um, Oh my God. I want to have a podcast section on just that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This sounds similar to me about your, didn't you just finish grad school or were still in grad school when you were pregnant? I didn't go to grad school. (laughs) You were finishing your degree, weren't you? Yeah. 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 I got pregnant and married. Well, I got married and pregnant while I was in undergrad. So I was finishing my last semester of my bachelor's program pregnant. Yep. Excuse me, which probably made and prevented me from wanting to go to grad school. (laughs) So yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I would bet bet. that. (laughs) Yeah, I, I agree uh, that um, we need another podcast about how some parents, um, specifically mamas, um, feel like being a parent isn't productive. Like I'm not, I'm not accomplishing much. And then you realize down the road that your role is so important and so crucial, right? Mm-hmm. And um, being able to hopefully people who are pregnant right now who are walking in the direction of having an infant, um, to be talking very openly with your partner, or support people that this is the most important job that I will have to do when this baby comes and figuring out a way to shift of this is my full-time responsibility. This is my full-time job and it's so important and everything else we can kind of put on the shelf, um, you know, mm-hmm. school and all of that. But yeah, like when, when you don't have that awareness, yeah, I can see where that looming, like I'm not being productive because I'm not doing these societal things. I feel like I'm not making these big improvements in the outer world. And I just, yeah, yeah. Brittany, I think you nailed it with that for sure. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I think, again, like some of these topics, I mean, the topics that you guys often talk about are these like taboo topics that people don't want to talk about. And, you know, the issue within that is when we keep it a secret and we keep it inside, um, you know, we're not doing ourselves or like our fellow mamas and parents like any favors. So, yeah. Yeah. So, let's kind of pivot a little bit to this regulation. So if you were, if you were working with a family who needed support, learning how to engage in regulation with their child, either co-regulating, how to regulate themselves, where do you start and what are your go-to suggestions? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Answering this without talking for an hour. Um, so definitely a multi-step process. So actually, um, Misty, you gave me a great introduction to this um, because I'm going to repeat a little bit of what you just said. Um, 
but the first thing I do is I actually work directly with the parent and I'll say, here's this continuum, right? I'll hand them a piece of paper and I'll say, um, you know, think of your nervous system like the figure eight, right? The infinity symbol, mm -hmm. um, where in the middle where they intersect is regulation. Um, and then on one side, you're hyper, right? So you might be um, have anxiety, you might be like kind of functioning a million miles a minute, kind of hypervigilant, defensive, more aggressive, things like that. Um, and on the other side, you have the hypo. Um, so you're really tired, you might be isolating, feeling helpless, more depressed, not having a lot of motivation, things like that. So when things get stressful, like where do you go on the continuum is where, what I'll ask parents. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so again, the point of that is to start building the self-awareness, right? Because I can't, you know, it's easy for a parent to look at this piece of paper that I hand out and say, oh, well, this is my kid. And I'm like, yeah, but where are you? Um, because yeah. we're all on it. It's, it's a human, um, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a biological response to stress. We go somewhere with it. Um, and so I'll actually have parents start with themselves, um, start noticing for themselves where they go, right? And then be able to notice it in the moment. Um, and then at that point, it's really, okay, so when, now that we've brought some awareness to the topic, what do you do, like, we have to practice being aware of how you respond. So when I am anxious, how do I take care of myself? When I am depressed and I have no motivation, how do I shift out of that energy? Um, and it's bringing awareness to the parent's process. And I'm going to dive a tiny bit deeper, but the reason why I start there is because, I mean, I'm just asking all three of you, right? How often do we as parents um, pretend like, like we just grit our teeth and smile and pretend like everything's fine? Uh, Sorry, all the time. Are you saying how many times a day or how many times in an hour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that was perfect. Yeah. This is good. <laughs> right? So as parents, we often feel like we have to be super, like, human, right? We're like Wonder Woman, you know, and we often, you know, get praised for that as well, right? Like, you can do it all. Um, so as a mom who, myself, who's often grit, grit my teeth, I'm fine, everything's fine. What we're actually doing is modeling for our kids that the way to handle not feeling okay is to ignore it and just keep going. Just keep swimming. <laughs> um, yeah. And so there's two problems with this. Number one, it sucks, Okay. <laughs> I don't want to feel not okay and, you know, pretend I am. And I certainly don't want to teach my daughter that when she doesn't feel okay to keep it inside either. Um, and then number two, incongruence. So is that something you guys have talked about? Um, yeah. Not, um, I mean, I think we've touched on it, but I don't know that we, we haven't done like a segment on it. Yeah, we haven't labeled it. I don't think we've labeled it that incongruence. I think we talk about it like we present to the outer world, like this is mm -hmm. how we're thinking and we can kind of behave like that. But then internally, we're like falling apart. Totally, right. So that incongruence, right? So when our words don't match our energy, our expressions, our actions, our tone, whatever it is, um, it definitely, it, it kind of puts everyone else around you like on edge right? Because did you guys ever have that friend either in high school where, you know, they were like, I'm fine. I'm not mad. I'm fine. But really everyone else felt really awkward. And then everyone else wanted to leave and just like not be around that person. <laughs> I, I know I did. Of course. Um, yeah. 
And so, you know, the reason I bring this up is not to put more pressure on our parents and more pressure. Um, but it's, it's more to say, you know, kiddos learn through observation. We have mere neurons in our brain that allow us, you know, that allow our babies to learn how to walk and talk and feed themselves. And the other thing that they're learning is emotion, emotions. Like, what does it look like when my mom is sad or angry, you know, so they can start identifying this. And so the other thing they learn is how to manage those emotions and how to manage that stress. So when we're talking about regulation for families, I start with parents um, and really kind of go into this whole psychoeducation about how it works before I jump into the like tips and strategies, if that makes sense, which don't worry, I will get to. Are there any techniques or how do you work with somebody who um, really doesn't have a lot of self-awareness. So let, let's say I'm going to give an example of an angry dad, right? Um, mm-hmm. This angry dad who just is very big and he screams and yells all the time. And you try to kind of confront dad like this is loud and it's intimidating um, without, of course, trying to uh, trying to diffuse and not let him get defensive. And, and moms do this too. I mean, 100% yeah, course, moms yeah. do this too. But, you know, it's kind of that analogy where, you know, I could be walking around with really bad breath and everyone can smell it, but I don't smell it. And I'm walking around, even though it's like right under, under my nose. So my hope in this session, session uh, in this podcast <laughs> that we can talk about, like, how do we shift from saying, okay, I'm not doing this kind of being in denial to I guess if I were to watch a video of myself, I could probably see myself out of control or I have been out of control. Shifting to like in that moment, like there are these physical cues. Do you do you walk the family through that? Like your face gets hot or your body gets tense or you start mm-hmm. to get louder? Yeah, so um, oh, I just, okay, sorry. I um, I think, so that's actually part of what I do with my kiddos. And then I um, will talk a little bit about how I do that with parents. Um, So I am a certified synergetic play therapist. Um, So back when you were asking me about credentials, I could have mentioned that. Um, But part of what that is or what that means um, is it's very much about attuning to the kiddo, which again, I know some parents are, I have a harder time with that, but attuning to the kiddo and um, yeah, like experiencing feelings with them and then modeling that regulation with them. So yes, it involves a lot of, Ooh, I feel like I have butterflies in my tummy. Ooh, like my hands my are squeezing into fists right now. Like, Ooh, I really want to stop my feet, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So a lot of the somatic pieces come into that. Um, when I'm specifically working with parents, which I have <laughs> that are not kind of on that plane um, and are resistant to it, um, you know, and not not just not on it, but are resistant to it. I think first and foremost, I want to make sure that we have the same goal. If your goal is for your kiddo to have more socially acceptable ways to cope with their big feelings, let's just use that as like a blanket. Um, that's great. And I, and we can do that. And here's how, and I have seen that I tend to get a little bit more buy-in, um, from parents like that, um, when you can connect it to their goals 
and when you can talk to them sort of in their values and what their values are. Um, it doesn't mean that it isn't challenging. I'm not like, But you get that buy-in. You get their buy-in, right? So if they're coming to your session and they're saying, I've got this kiddo that is really emotionally dysregulated, they have these emotional outbursts, and you, you're talking to the parents, it seems like you say to them, yes, that sounds like a great goal, and how do you partner with them or couple with them and regulate your emotions to provide a, a mirror, basically, for your kiddo to then learn how to control their emotions. So it's like, mm -hmm. yes, we can do that, but you have to kind of be the trainer as well or help be a right. part of that process. Uh -huh. Right, and I think the other thing too that I wanna point out is that you know, there, we have kiddos who have um, parents who have medical conditions where they're gonna have seizures for um, the whole, their whole life, right? And they have to grow up with that, uh, not knowing what's coming and the unpredictability and the, and, the, and the scariness in that. And we have kiddos who, um, you know, maybe in domestic violence situations that, you know, or just like, you know, it, just situations that we actually aren't gonna be able to take them out of necessarily or, ch or change the situation. Um, but I think part of what I really value in my own work is I really view my role as helping those kiddos learn how to attach to themselves and like find like that safety within themselves, right? And I'm not talking about physical safety. I'm just talking about like, how do they regulate their big emotions around these really big, scary things that are going to happen in their life? Mm -hmm. so yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. Well, which is going on quite a bit. I mean, just with COVID and people being at, at home, um, you know, if you mm -hmm. don't have a chance to work with the families to help them regulate, you, you know, if we can help the kids find that in themselves, that safety within themselves, I think it's going to help a lot of kids really push through this time until people can kind of get back outside and yeah, exactly. And, the new normal. Mm -hmm. What do mm -hmm. you tell people right now that are going through pandemic related stress and job loss and kids that are having a hard time adjusting? And this may or may not be a question that I might also want to hear the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my Asking best. for a friend. Exactly. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm not going to pretend to be, you know, the complete expert on that because, you know, I'm sitting over here myself, um, you know, right, my right. own kiddo, we're all, we're all in this together. Um, but part of, you know, the COVID and the pandemic piece, honestly, in talking about regulation, um, when you were ask, asking about like the strategies and kind of the go-tos, I know that right now is a time where we all feel like we can't connect right? Like we can't connect with other people. Um, and I would say that however you can connect with other people is going to be key. Um, so there's, a, there's another piece in this where, um, so again, with the symptoms that I described for the hyper and the hypo, right? Um, physical activity is really, really great for our nervous systems. It keeps the energy moving. Um, this, there's sneaky ways to sneak in regulation for your kiddos and for yourself that are going to seem really silly and mundane. But, you know, there's um, physically drinking through a straw is very regulating for your nervous system. Eating crunchy foods is very regulating for your nervous system. 
So if you feel like your kiddo is, you know, on either end of that, or if you are again with the self-awareness piece, if you can be aware enough to, to know that doing things like drinking through a straw and eating almonds as a snack can actually oh. help like shift you, you out of that. I thought you just gave me permission to eat a whole bunch of Doritos, but I like your example a little bit better. <laughs> you know what? All, eat Doritos. Yeah, I have I to admit, almonds, almonds was not what I was. No, 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 no. <laughs> Fair. Sorry. I don't know. In, in, my head, in my head, I was like, she's going to say something healthy. But in my head, I'm like, I hear. I love yeah. that. I, I um, love those examples of like, let's drink through straws or eat something, you know, crunchy. I mean, how simple. We can all do that. Right. Well, and the other like, piece too is I think we're all we're all at home and we're all so stressed to the max. But whatever time you have in your day, if it's ten minutes to go hang upside down off the couch with your kid, they're going to think it's amazing and hilarious that you're hanging on the furniture upside down, um, and that's extremely regulating again for the nervous system. So there's little ways throughout your day that you can sprinkle in these things that may seem again like kind of mundane, um, but that are physically soothing your body. Um, yeah. having, is having that, dance is that parties. vestibular? Is that why that some of them? Yeah. So yeah, the vestibular, so the like hanging spinning. upside, yeah, mm-hmm. hanging okay. upside down, spinning. Um, you could do a game with your kiddo where you're like, Hey, touch this on the wall, see how high you can jump and see if you can reach it. And if they're jumping, that's also like, um, great. And so, you know, giving massages, using weighted blankets, as long as they're the right weight for the weight of the child. Just want to say that out loud. Um, yeah, Google, but, Google it. Make sure it's the right weight. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, taking baths, having dance parties, and even if it's like a two-song dance party, right? You're going to shift the energy in your whole house by having a two-song yeah. dance party. And I think one thing is specific to COVID um, that may or may not be of interest, but regulating your nervous system is actually like directly. Um, interse- it directly intersects with our immune response as well. Um, so I know that can maybe be scary, but the stress, like, um, I'm looking for this thing. Sorry, I can't find I was it. Say, can you, can you break that down into the layman terms? What yes. does that mean? Yes, I can. Let me grab it. Um, so what that means is we have a nerve. This is, this is going to be as nerdy as I get. I promise. I won't get any more nerdier than this. We, (laughs) I promise we have a nerve in our necks. Um, kind of like under, if you go to like where your jawbone ends and like go down your neck. So it's kind of in the frontish side, (laughs) the best description I can give. Um, it's called the vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. Um, so basically it has a huge relationship with our immune system. Um, this is the part of our physiolo- physiology that helps us be able to take a deep breath. It helps us kind of put the brakes um, when we're feeling overwhelmed or when we're scared. So when we're under stress and we kind of lose connection with this, right, our bodies can release cortisol and other chemicals um, that can have negative effects like on our system, right? We've all kind of heard of cortisol, I feel, so I feel use that one. Yeah, it's like the stress, the stress, uh, the stress chemical, mm-hmm. right? So if we can regulate it, we actually reduce inflammation in our bodies and then strengthen our immune system. So, I, that, I mean, I'm making this sound really basic, but I mean, it's really what it is. So a couple ways you can do that um, that are just like physical ways um, to regulate this nerve in particular 
movement, like I just said, um, physical sensory input. So hugs, massages, um, pushing on your head. Like if you kind of link, link together all of your fingers um, and like put them on top of your head and push down. Um, splashing cold water, starting from your chin up to your forehead, that can help relax the nervous system. So there's just like very, I mean, it sounds again, like I said, mundane, but these small little things throughout your day can really help your nervous system stay together. Well, and imagine if we are a frustrated parent, we're doing our work, we've got our kids screaming in the background, siblings are fighting, you know, we've got two choices. We can come out and start screaming at our children to be quiet and to knock it off and, you know, kind of go this route where we're, where we're upset. Or before coming out and screaming at our children, we can go splash some water on our face, do the healthy choice, eat a couple almonds. We could be dehydrated. <laughs> uh, yes, drink some water, right? I'm, I'm sure that, you know, drink, drinking any fluids, but, you know, water mm. with electrolytes. Um, smiling. I mean, there's proof of even if yeah. we're not happy, we can trick our brains into believing we're happy by just smiling. But I think <laughs> right. these four things that might take a total of a minute may change mm-hmm. our right. perspective where we can then walk out in the hallway and go, hey, you guys, can you move that downstairs or into your bedroom? Or Right? So, so we're kind of going from our emotional reactive brain up into our higher functioning we are actually the calm, regulated parent versus mm-hmm. us being the five-year-old coming out and screaming at our five-year-old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because the truth is like humans borrow from one another's nervous systems all the time. They're kind of mm-hmm. contagious, yeah. um, you know, and I think the greatest yeah. way to provide a sense of safety, like for others, is not to avoid, you know, it's not to tell them everything's going to be okay because you know what, like we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm not going to tell everyone they're going to be okay. Cause I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Um, but it's really just to like, you know, like yes. establish your own sense of inner safety and the way that your body thinks that you're doing that is by regulating your nervous system. Yeah. And I really, I like that you said it's contagious because I think that that is key. Right. So everyone out there who's really trying to build awareness and to be that calmer parent, to know in our back of our mind, this is a contagious. So if we are in just a really, really bad spot and we are like, God, let's hope that I'm going to be a good parent when I walk out of this room. We're -hmm. not going to be able to be that parent and we're going to let ourselves down. We're going to let our kids down because it is contagious. I mean, how many of us have walked out and yelled at our kids? And now, because we've been together, they turn around and yell at us back. And then yeah, we're like, definitely. you know, we're like yeah. even more like pissed off at that point. So yes. I know for me, I'm really trying very hard to like stop and think and relax before I have those interactions. You know, I've even come to this point where I'm like lowering the tone of my voice <laughs> when I go out because I'm like, if I at least try this. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, mom's calm uh, versus coming out like a tirade and screaming and yelling. Um, I think what makes it so hard right now, and I don't know if this feels true for other folks. I imagine I can't be the only one, but the more stressed I am, the more disconnected I become with my ability to do those things. You know, Mm -hmm. take the bathroom moment, chill the fuck out. Don't come unglued. I am so at beyond capacity these days that I am like 
I'm a, I'm a quick trigger. I am, you know, it is not easy and I'm trying to figure out for myself and I feel like, you know, I should, I should have this down. I'm not going to should on myself right now, but uh, Mm -hmm. times are hard for everybody, even if you know these things. Um, And I've been trying to think like, what can I tell myself? Like, I want like a little anachronism, like halt or like, you know, like that stop sign. Like, how do you make yourself? Because I am, you guys all know me. And so, you know, I'm, what you see is what you get. My emotional experience is open to the world. (laughs) Like there's very little guessing about what's going on for me. And that can be problematic because I am, I don't stop and, and take that moment before I respond. I I react. I'm, I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. really emotive person. So, um, yeah, I've been, that's just something I've been grappling with. Like how, I know I need to do the pause, but I want to add something to it. Like a little thing that I walk through. I mean, I think that's great. And that we definitely together, I'm sure we could create something amazing. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking like, what would it be? And I did think of one, I think it was hit. Oh, oh, that's actually hilarious. (laughs) And it was, um, The irony in that. It was something (laughs) like, I can't remember the H was. I think the H was like for halt, like stop. The I was for inquire. Mm -hmm. And then the T was for tell. So I'm going to like, okay, take a minute. Inquire with myself. What is it I'm feeling? And then I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell the feeling instead of just Mm -hmm. the, "Ah," you know. I think think it's great, but... Here's what I'm thinking about people who don't have a whole lot of filter in that moment. <laughs> How can we positively reframe what we want to tell? Because <laughs> I think that's part of it too, right? Because we can stop and think. I mean, there are times that like I have a whole mouthful of what I would like to say to my husband when I'm mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I, I guess I have to hit, right? I have to halt. I have to stop. I have to think about it and then think about it. But then maybe we can add like an R for like reframe. This needs some work. I also don't love that hit is like an aggressive, like hit the word. (laughs) I actually, that actually is like makes it better a little bit, Gretchen. Um, (laughs) um, You know, what about this? I'm going to regulate the shit out of this. (laughs) That's right. Call it, call it sit, stop, inquire, think. Yes! Right. Stop. Inquire. Think. I like Love it. That. How do we? How do? How do we put in the reframe though? Uh, cert. Um, cert. S i r t. I don't know. Sitter. Sit. No. <laughs> you want? Don't you want to reframe before you tell? I don't. That's know. true. <laughs> That's true. Um, uh, it's funny though. Like I think listening oh. to to you guys and and Gretchen, like you you you've said it best. I mean, again, all of us sitting here feel like we should, and I'm using lots of heavy air quotes, be able to do this, right? And we also feel like if we come up with some awesome acronym that we're going to remember this every time and that we're going to do it. (laughs) And I'm going to tell every single listener that you have, with your permission, that none of us will ever do that every single time. And that part of raising a kid is actually being really human making tons of mistakes and 
kind of going through that like rupture in relationship and repairing it is like key to parenting. Mm-hmm. So we all want to be better. We all strive to, you know, do differently the next time instead of me come out of my office and scream at my six-year-old, which I also do often. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's really what happens, what happens next, what happens after yep. that yep. is yep. so powerful. Yeah, the repair work is so powerful, and and I, uh, Gretchen has used that that term where if you rupture something, you have to go and repair it, and mm-hmm. it, it's just so significant in any relationship, not just with our kids, but with our our spouse and with our friends, because we are human. I mean, we can't be regulated all the time, mm-hmm. um, but if we can stop and think just very quickly, even if we come out hot, right? We're coming in hot. <laughs> We can at least like try not to be so crazy out of control and say, mommy's really angry right now. Like I mm-hmm. am angry right now. I'm trying to be transparent around it. I need 10 minutes um, and then take that time and space, but then come back and repair. That reparative mm-hmm. work um, is so important when you're both regulated. I don't think you can repair it when you're both already like out of 10 Um, And there are people who will try to do that or they think they've repaired it by walking away and then never coming back in. So I think, yeah, Brittany, that's a really valid thing to say. Rupture, repair. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's huge. I think, um, especially with those negative, those perceived negative emotions, right? Like anger and sadness and we have to cry alone in our showers or (laughs) uh, my car, Um, you know, and things like that. It's like actually it's a valuable lesson to our kiddos to know that we are not perfect. I don't want that pressure. (laughs) Um, You know, it's okay for them not to be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to admit those mistakes. It's okay to apologize. And, you know, it's actually, you know, that, and that's kind of where we get to teach our kids too about like boundaries. And there's just so, I I just think the rupture and repair can actually be so rich um, Mm -hmm. in how to like model conflict um, for our kids and, yeah. I love this lesson too, because I, I think it gives, at least for me, um, and I, I, I've, I've seen it give relief and I've experienced relief from it myself to know that this, this is permission to make a mistake, that there's yes. value in how you work through something, that there's value um, in, in teaching, teaching your kids how to come back when you've messed up and how to take accountability and Mm -hmm. to focus on the relationship and how what you do matters and that and it affects people and that that there's something that that you need to do when you have made a mistake um that that gives me just a lot of breathing room like I'm like Mm -hmm. okay I'm glad that the expectation is not that I'm going to get it right because it's just not realistic yeah, exactly. Well, I think the truth is you probably are getting it right, but there are these moments when we don't, and then we're so hard on ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're just so hard where we're like, oh, fuck, we fucked that one up. And that, that's yeah. going to be the thing that my kid's going to take to therapy right there. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I literally was thinking about this the other day and I'm like, we're all going to negatively, again, with the air quotes, impact our children. Like we are definitely sending them to therapy for something. It just isn't what we think it is. It's probably gonna be something that we're really, that we're gonna look back on and be like, really, that? Like that was it? (laughs) That was the thing? Um, (laughs) This time when I was out of control. 
Really? Exactly, right? <laughs> and they're like, no, I don't remember that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for our kids with the with the, how much like praise and support we give our children compared to days of past, they're probably mm-hmm. going to go to therapy and be like, my mom said I was I was great no matter what. And now I just feel like. <laughs> and then when I went to college, I found out that wasn't like, true. I don't know. It'll be some like thing you're like, but that was good, you know. I know, um, I know. Yeah. Well, and just to kind of reiterate a little bit that we're we're talking about littles, right? And kind of the regulation and on the spectrum is and it gets easier and different, easier and different and complicated and easier and different and complicated as our kids mm-hmm. start to grow up, right? Like when the kids are infants and toddlers and in elementary school, they need us so much in so many different capacities. Mm-hmm. And being regulated, we need that on many different levels. But as the kids kind of start to get older, uh, they're starting to learn how to regulate and how to adapt and change. And I think Danan can really relate to that because, I mean, her kids are older, but she's still having to be a role model. Um, Or maybe just kind of the string to their balloon now, like, okay, (laughs) come back down because you're a little bit older now. yeah, I think with the older kids, um, Brittany, so, you know, I, it sounds like you've listened to our show, but I've got a now 17 year old, 19 year old, both boys. Um, and I have a psychology background, so this helps a little bit, but when I feel, when I feel it or see that they're not addressing their emotions, that's when I try to push the button and Mm -hmm. just point blank, come out and ask, you know, what's going mm-hmm. on? You've been acting so different or something just seems really off. Recently, yeah. our oldest has been having girlfriend issues, not necessarily drama, but it, they're maturing mm-hmm. into a more mature couple. Um, and now that's where mom comes in and tries to help them understand their emotions and work through them in a healthy manner rather than bottle them up, pretend like nothing's wrong, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So, it is, it's different with the older children, but I, I have to say the more you pry as a parent, not helicopter, the right. more you pry when you see something is kind of being stuffed away or bottled up, I, I think it's a healthy response to um, moving them in the right direction to dealing with their emotions for sure. Yeah, I could not agree more. I actually, you know, I think obviously you being their mom and being in tune with them, right? Obviously that helps. But again, like your nervous system picks up on when they're off and when they're not doing well. And then when you name it out loud, it automatically just like releases that pressure in the room. Um, It's funny, again, in in synergetic play therapy, we have this like term, um, name it to tame it. And again, so when Misty was saying, come out of the room and say, I'm angry, it's like, great. Now everyone knows how you feel. <laughs> like I'm angry because <laughs> this happened, you know, you know, without, without the, the blaming, um, and kind of, you know, things like that. But again, just you naming that out loud, like, Hey, you seem different. That's like epic. <laughs> it's just like, it yeah. seems so, it seems so easy. Like when you talk about it out loud, everyone's like, well, what's a big deal, but it really makes an energy, like an impact on the dynamic, the relationship dynamic, the dynamic in the house, um, and really yep. free, like gives your kids permission to then talk to you about it, right? Like you've opened yeah. the door. 
That's so great. I think a lot of people are afraid of getting a negative response, right? We, we mm -hmm. don't want to ask somebody how they're doing because we, we know that they're not doing great and then they're going to just dump. Mm -hmm. But it's that dump that they need. And yeah, so for whatever that's worth, um, we have to listen to people dump and, and praise and be happy and all those things. Yeah, so. can't have some without the other, even though... We try so hard sometimes. <laughs> so hard, so hard. Um, as much as we'd absolutely love you to keep going, maybe we need to have a second segment with this. But I would imagine that with some of our, our listeners, they are probably readers or kind of self-help. Self are there any books that you might recommend or any websites or worksheets or anything like that that you feel pretty immediate if somebody's listening that they can just like go on Amazon or whatever and, and get some of these resources? Um, man, there's a lot. Um, I mean, I honestly, so I'm sure, I don't know if you've listened, if you guys have spoken directly about Dan Siegel, um, but he has two books that are just pure gold. So funny you said that. That was going to be the first person I was going to mention. So um, so the whole brain child um, by Dan Siegel, and then also no drama discipline by him are just so great. Um, you know, like he talks about the kiddo who's a perfectionist and kind of how to get them out of that cycle, um, and not every time, right? But even if you can do it a couple times just to break that pattern, um, he really he does a great job. And actually, in his book, I think in both of the books, he has like things you can kind of rip out and like put up on the fridge. Um, yeah, I've heard that. I mean, I have the Kindle mm -hmm. version, so I haven't gotten, I haven't looked yep. at the back, but I heard that in the back, there's like these great little worksheets yeah. that you can just have. Yeah. yeah. And if you, and he says like, rip them out, put them on the fridge that way. Like it's a kind of a reminder, um, for you. I actually have the yeah. whole brain child right here. There you go. 12 evolutionary strategies to nurture your child's developing mind. Mm -hmm. So this is, I think his old older one I think the second one that you talked about came out the no drama later, discipline. Right? yeah mm -hmm. yeah um and I would just say that he writes this for everyone to read so yes um yeah. I know that you know that all of us talking right now on the podcast um we have a psychology background and so you know when we get a little bit more technical about the brain and mm -hmm. how it works Dan Siegel brings it back down to anybody. Like you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a high school diploma. You do have to read unless you can get uh, the audio version mm -hmm. with it. But he really breaks it down. He breaks it down. He's, he's uh, you guys can't see us, but we're on Zoom. But he even has like little uh, pictures with like little characters. Yeah. And, yeah. And mama and baby talking it out and giving examples of what, of what this looks like. So I think as parents, we just have to be open to the mm -hmm. process of maybe talking differently than what we're comfortable with, because maybe our parents didn't talk to us like that. But, you know, I think all of us in our hearts want to be really great parents to our kids. Even if we had great parents, I'm sure that we're like, oh, my parents were so great, but I want to, to do this part differently. Or if we had really not so great parents that we're trying to become better parents, and sometimes in order to be better parents, we have to investigate. We have to learn different ways. Um, but I think Dan Siegel definitely does a nice job with like, try it this way. Try it this way a couple of times. Don't just give it one try. 
Try it several times over and over and over. And if you try it 15 times and it doesn't work, then tweak it again. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, tweak it until it does work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those little illustrations are really helpful too because Mm -hmm. they give you like a real life scenario and you can see here's what the parent says. Here's what the child says. Here's, you know, it's really practical. It is. Um, I would say too, um, and again, um, solely, you know, just having this knowledge because I'm a synergetic play therapist, but on the synergetic play therapy website, um, she also has like a huge section for parents that have, um, there's like handouts and there's videos, like free videos on topics, um, you know, how children communicate, how to be, you know, you know, things like that. And so just kind of exploring that. I, she also offers like a course, um, obviously that, that one costs money, but, um, so there, there are things on that as well. Um, that are good go-tos. There are YouTube videos. And of course, like pick good resourced ones, but about the polyvagal system, talking about that vagus nerve, um, they, there's a whole bunch of, uh, clinicians out there who are offering free, little seminars and free things around how to regulate that polyvagal system and get back Mm -hmm. in our thinking calm brain too. So you guys can do your own resource, but make sure that it's a credible site. Um, You know, somebody that you can trust, Um, but information is power, whether we choose to use it or not, Uh, you know, right now, you know, self-care and just taking care of ourselves and just being kind and uh, just being being graceful to ourselves, letting us know that, you know, we're not perfect, especially in this pandemic and that's mm-hmm. okay, but we have to do repair work if we really mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brittany. It's been really a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on you guys. It was great to connect. Yeah. Look at that. We connected. Will you tell us again what your um, parent group is? You can put a little plug in for that if you want. Yeah, I would love to do that. I appreciate that. Um, it's called Wild and Misfit Mamas, and my website is wilddepths.squarespace.com. So there's two Ds when wild depths. Okay. Back. D um, like depths as in D-E-P-T-H-S? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if for some reason um, anybody wants to kind of chat with me further, um, you can kind of contact me through there. Cool. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, take care of yourselves and your families and just be kind to yourself. Thank you you for listening to This is Hard, our podcast celebrating the hilarious, beautiful, horrific, mysterious, untold, unspoken, disgusting, and amazing adventures of becoming and being a parent. Brought to you by Misty White, Gretchen Levy, and me, Danan Moore. To learn more about This Is Hard, our podcast, follow our organization, Parenting Naked Collaborative, on the web at parentingnaked.com, on Facebook or Instagram at Parenting Naked. Thank you, and until next time, be well.